the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The book of Judges gives us a historical narrative that gives us glimpses into the past, but also points to the future, as we'll see next. On today's broadcast of Way of Grace, we go from Judges to Revelation. Pastor Jesse's next. And again, welcome to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand, our teacher here on the program today from Grace Bible Church in Hayward. We're in Judges chapter 5, verses 1 through 16, looking again at Deborah. And as we focus on these passages, we're also pointed to Revelation chapter 16, as well as chapter 19. The Armageddon triumph is hinted at here in Deborah's story. And that's what we're exploring today. Here's Pastor Jesse. I want to show you something. This is quite remarkable in the narrative, and I'm going to lay out uh, five fundamental points. This is quite uh, remarkable. Notice what it says. When she went into his tent, turned and hit her into the tent, she covered him with a mantle. Do you see that? She covered him with a mantle. She made him feel good. She made him feel comfortable. And then she understood where he was. He's a fugitive in war. So she's hiding him. So what she is doing now is actually... Uh, corresponding with him according to his false set of assumptions. He's thinking he's working with a friend and she's doing everything that he would expect her to do as a friend and a compliance. Y'all see that? A compliance. Now watch this. This is remarkable. The next verse, follow this with me. Verse 19. I thought this was astounding. And he said unto me, give me, I pray, a little water to drink. Do you see that? It's in the imperative form. You know what that means? He still thinks he's in control. That's the first thing. I just want y'all to get that. Give me some water. I mean, look, bro, look, you ain't in no condition to be asking nobody, telling nobody nothing. You really should be saying, is it possible for, for me to have a glass of water? Would you, <laughs> would you be so kind as to give a brother a glass of water? I am somewhat parched and, and thirsty. That brother was famished. That brother was famished. But he's operating out of what we call postmodern irrational fantasy. He's under the assumption he's in control of this narrative. I'm getting ready to teach you. I'm getting ready to teach you. You can lie to yourself about being under control or being in control. You can lie to yourself. You can see people cooperating with you and you can actually think you actually have the landscape fully understood, fully surveyed. This man is as blind as could be. Are y'all hearing me? He's operating out of what we call a focus what? focus trap. I've taught you this. This is a focus trap. And a focus trap is what happens when you're really operating out of fear. And he's operating out of fear because he's been running. So he's walking like this. He has no idea the larger sovereign hand of God in this scenario. He still thinks he's on the throne. He thinks he can actually dictate to people what to do. 
Is he delusional or what? Now watch what he's doing. He said to her, give me, I pray, a little water to drink. I'm thirsty. So what? (laughs) Now here's what my girl had done. She had already gotten a bottle of goat milk because she got a bunch of goats because her husband's a businessman. We already know that. She had the, the goat milk warmed. Warmed. Lord, warm this goat milk up. So when my brother drinks it, the blood will leave his brain and quickly descend to his belly and he will go into an anesthetic sleep. And the Lord blessed that goat milk, didn't he? He blessed that goat milk. And she opened a bottle of milk and gave him to drink and then she covered him again. Go to sleep. (laughs) Do do, do you see it? Brothers, you better be careful, brothers. You better be careful. (laughs) Verse 20, here we go. Verse 20. Again, he said unto her, stand in the door of the tent. Now, you see this fool? He giving her another directive. Now, I want you to follow what he does. He tells her to go stand in the door of the tent, which means he really does believe she's on his side. She fears him. He's her God. He can tell her what to do even over her husband. Now, see, this is the vacuum that came in when her husband, Heber, actually rejected the true and the living God and started making relationships with the pagan king. Y'all got that? He is asserting a role that he would have asserted with any of his subordinates' wives. But now Jael, she wasn't moved by all of that. See, this is how you have to know who you are. Like when you know who you are, you don't have to get emotionally invested in when stupid people say stupid things to you about stupid causes. Am I making some sense? When you know who you are, you don't have to be, you don't have to be stupid like stupid. Let stupid be stupid and you still stay sane. I haven't given you the five points yet, but I'm going to give them to you here in a moment. He said unto her, stand in the door of the tent, and it shall be when any man doth come and inquire of thee and say, is there any man here that you shall say, no. In other words, lie for me. Hazard your life for me. Give me drink, cover me, feed me, do what I say, and lie for me. She's actually being told by this man to do something her husband didn't have a right to do. All right, so here you go. This is a parenthetical. So in the relationship between a man and a woman, the rules are extremely clear biblically in terms of what a woman does in her submission to her husband is simply submit to love. I've told you this a thousand times. A woman is submitting to nothing but love. She is not submitting to a tyrant. She's not submitting to a fool. She's not submitting to a narcissist. She's not submitting to a controller. She's not submitting to abuse. She's not uh, submitting to abuse. Are you guys hearing me? The role of a woman is to submit to love. To love and love will work no ill to its neighbor. Love will not harm the other. Love will have the best interest of that other person in view so that why not submit to love? And if the man does not know how to love you, then he should not expect your submission. Did it, did it come home? Right. Brothers going around scratching their heads wondering why they wife <laughs> don't submit. So submission is a spiritual principle. Yes, sir. 
is one of the clearest principles in Scripture. Like the reason why a lot of Christians are not profiting in their walk with God is because they're not submissive. You can, you can talk about all the gifts of the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues and, and miracles and revelations. I got dreams and visions and you're disobedient. The one quality that indicates you are a mature believer is your submission to Christ. Amen. Hear me now. Because the son of the living God came to model it for us. I always do those things that please him. Jesus taught us how to be second in command. He didn't ever have to steal his father's glory. He was never, ever inclined to stand in front and shine. He knew how to submit to God. Am I making some sense? So submission is a hierarchy ranking model under an organizing principle that shows that we understand the difference between order and chaos. But within the community of the people of God, the foundation of our hierarchical structure is love. Love is the foundation. Therefore, as hard as it is for a woman to submit, it's equally hard for that man to know how to love her. And if you're going to see both of them happen well in a reciprocating way, that's without friction or at least less friction. You're going to see a man loving his wife. And his wife learning how to submit to that love and work with him according to the rule of God. This is a home that's operating out of a vertical principle of obedience to Christ. Am I making some sense? Otherwise, you're going to have a Sisera come through the back door. A Sisera is coming in and he will be telling her what to do. And she will be doing it for him or it or whatever that Sisera is. It don't have to be a human being. It can be an enterprise. It can be a business. It can be a job. It can be some kind of idol. Am I making some sense? And now he's wondering why he can't get no cooperation. Because he opened the door for a Sisera to come in. Now he's telling her to give him the milk. Now, Heber probably haven't had a hot glass of milk. See, I should stop. I should just go on back and close this thing out. I said, go on back, close this thing out. Go on back, just go back. Go back. I'm supposed to be done in, in five minutes. Go on back, Jess. Go on back. Go on back. So, men, if your wife, if you come home and your wife got a hot bottle <laughs> of warm goat's milk, just understand that as an omen, okay? That's just like an omen, okay? It's an omen. Verse 21. Here's the gospel coming. Then Jael, and I love this, so I'm just conflating both. Jael, not Sisera's wife, Hebrews' wife. Y'all got that? Yes, sir. Not Sisera's, Hebrews. So I got to keep you here because I need you to see these five principles because it's clear. She knew who she was. You understand that? No matter what the temptation is here, the thing she did not get wrong was understanding where she was. She was clear on the landscape, clear on the arena. She didn't change sides. She didn't do what her husband did. She didn't say this is an opportunity for me to shine now. She didn't trade on God. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? She kept her husband's name. That boy was blessed. Was he blessed? 
That fool was blessed. Then Jael, Heber's wife, took a nail of the tent and took a hammer in her hand and went softly (laughs) unto him. Do you understand how much faith this takes? Do you understand? Do you understand that you got to be in the spirit of the Lord when this happens? God has to grace you. God has to grace you. He has to keep your mind and heart through Christ Jesus. He has to steady your soul. Do you understand that? Do you understand that she is on the brink of saving the whole nation or destroying her and her family's life? Do you understand that? Look at it. She went softly to him and she smote the nail into his temples. Not one, two. So you do, can I get a graphics? Right, like some people lay on their back and some people lay on their stomach. But this brother was laying on this side. That milk was good. <laughs> she went over the top. She put one, those, those tit nails about that long. She put it right there on the temple. And she said, in the name of Yahweh. Boom. One time. One time. One strike. And she thrust him through both sides of his head. Now you talk about being stuck. (laughs) You you stuck. Do you see it? This is called walking by faith. This is called fighting the good fight of faith. This is called laying hold of eternal life. This is called being clear on your mission. This is point number four in my outline. I don't know if you have it. Point number three. No, you don't have it. I I do. Just listen to the language. God chose two women to be honored because they knew these five things. One, Deborah and Jael knew their identity. They knew who they were. Deborah in the Hebrew means the word of the Lord. She knew who she was. Jael means Jehovah is God. Boy, what book ends? What book ends? Today, my sisters struggle with who they are. These two women weren't confused at all, were they? Do you know what they knew? They were women of God. They were women of God. Secondly, they understood the battle. Will you hear me? They understood that the battle was spiritual. It was not carnal. It was not political. It was a war waged by God against his foes. In other words, they took the battle vertically, did they not? They didn't engage in carnal weapons of warfare. They actually understood that they were waging the Lord's battles. This is so huge. So huge. Read it for yourself. Chapter 5, verses 18 through 23. Number C, they knew their calling. So they knew their identity. They knew the battle. They knew their calling. Their calling was to serve God. Watch this now. And their brethren. See, this is the idea of understanding that this is not just about you. It's about the whole community. Anytime a believer acts right, you benefit all of us. Anytime a child of God does the right thing, you benefit the whole kingdom. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
You and I get in danger when we narrow it down to our own personal agendas. When we do what's right, we bless the whole community. Deborah and Jael understood that this was about God's kingdom. Again, chapter five lays that out. So they knew their calling. Sixthly, uh, uh, fourthly, they knew their boundaries. You got that? I taught you last week that Deborah did not go outside of her line of, of, of boundaries. That means she was spiritually mature. She didn't take advantage of the fact that she was a judge. I told you she wasn't on Time Magazine. She wasn't on CNN News. She wasn't on Fox News. She wasn't trying to shine. She was tri- simply trying to serve. Does that make some sense? Clear on her calling. Clear on her calling. And still submissive to her missing in action husband. She knew her boundaries and so did Jael. This is the submission principle, ladies, I was talking about. This is sonship. Christ kept boundaries. These ladies were not seeking equality. They were not seeking dominance, nor were they seeking to devastate men. No equality. No dominance. No devastation of the men. See, like, ladies, if you buy into the lie that's going around that you need equality, you just bought the vacuum that you already have in your own garage. That's the oldest lie in the book, isn't it? You already have equality. You can't get greater equality than being created in the Imago Dei. You don't need some human being telling you you need equality with men. Are y'all hearing what I just stated? Right. So, and if you want the blessing, pull the lever of faith and say, Lord, bless me for being your child. I'd rather God bless me than any secular system in the world. Because all the devil wants you to do when you are seeking a pseudo equality is go to war against your man. Look at our culture today. Don't have me to expand this thing. I'm way late already. I'm way late already. Look at where we are today. Look at where we are today. Men and women have lost an understanding of their identity. These sisters didn't. These sisters are integrating. They are preserving the organizational principle, are they not? When we're done, Israel will expand. They will prosper. They will grow. Because these two women kept their boundaries. They kept their boundaries. Maturity, submission, sonship. Beautiful thing. Uh, number five, one, two, three, four, five. They knew their power, didn't they? Did they know their power? Divorce, preaching, she's prophesying, she's doing it in the context in which God called her to do. Did she tell the truth? Right. Did Jael know her power? Sure she did. She knew her domain was her home. You come in my home, I'll kill you. <laughs> I, I, I'm just talking about the enemy. I'm talking about the enemy. Okay. She knew her domain. Did she know her domain? Look how beautiful this is. This sister could see the covering that God had given her as also the weapons of her warfare. She could see the tent pegs that held up God's mercy that covered her home as a weapon of war to destroy the enemies of the Lord. Can y'all see what I'm talking about? What a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful set of lenses these ladies were operating out of. They knew their boundaries. They knew their power. They did not own the battle. See, that's what's going on today. Women are fighting a battle today. They're fighting their own battle. They're not fighting God's battle. See, these two women didn't own their own battle. Um, and they didn't see this as an opportunity 
for mere female advantage. See, this is the problem. We're not, you and I don't need to do anything but submit to God and God will exalt you in due season. Do you know that? I don't care who you are. Don't, don't leave the parameters of what God called you to do or what God called you to be. Always be what God has called you to be. And you can then within that calling be the best you can possibly be. And you don't need any more than that. I love these two sisters for this. Listen, they could have easily capitalized on these men's carnality, couldn't they? They could have understood. They, what they understood was that their moment, their moment. Deborah's and Jael's moment was for God's glory and everyone's welfare. So I call these real mothers, real sisters, real warriors, real mothers, real sisters, real warriors. See, because they're taking care of the family, are they not? They have not left their boundaries. They haven't been deceived. They haven't been manipulated. And I love this. The spirit of Christ is operating in Deborah as a judge and a prophet. The spirit of Christ is operating in Jael as the man of war. This is Christ in her, the hope of glory. What did I say in Psalm 68? The Lord will wound the head of the enemy. This is God working through our sister. Now here is the simple truth of the gospel. The nail is a picture of the cross of Jesus Christ. The hammer is a reference to the word of the living God is not my word like a hammer that breaks in pieces. The word of God and the nails of the cross of Jesus Christ is the reason why our enemies are destroyed. In the same way that Jael took out the head, so Jesus Christ hanging on Calvary's tree, watch this now, destroyed all our foes, made a show openly of them, spoiling principalities and powers and dominions and nailed our sins to the tree and liberated us from the curse and law of God and set us free from the bondage and captivity captivity of our oppressors. Do you guys see the glorious gospel of that truth? Look at it one more time. Look at it one more time. I love the way, she, the way this book closes. This is over in verse 23 and 24. Are you there? Look at verse 23. So God subdued on that day Jabin. Notice who did the subduing. See what I'm getting at? He uses people, but he gets the glory. So God subdued on that day Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the children of Israel, and the hand of the children now, you know what? I need to start at verse, verse 22. This is a beautiful piece. Verse 22. Are you there? And behold, here come late Barak. <laughs> Do y'all see that? He chasing everybody all up on the sides of the mountain. And now he, <sighs> he come and running up on Jael's house. And notice how consistent Jael is. In the same way she came out to meet Sisera. She comes out to meet Barak. Is this lady smooth or what? Is this Mission Impossible or what? I mean, I, I would watch this movie. Would you watch this movie? She comes out. I, I bet you she had changed clothes and dressed up and everything. <laughs> and behold, as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him. What a gracious picture of the church of the living God. Shouldn't we be ready to meet the Lord Jesus when he comes? If he has graced us to fight his battles. 
Jael came out to meet him and said unto him, come and I will show you the man whom you are looking for. And when he came into her tent, behold, Sisera lay dead and the nail was in his temple. This is a picture of the fixed, permanent, complete destruction of our foes, immutable, unchangeable, irrevocable for all eternity. God has subdued our enemies and she is showing him this so he can go back and tell everybody God won that battle. This is a beautiful narrative, isn't it? We are out of time today. We'll close our program out here and pick up where we left off next time we're together here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. We trust it was profitable in your walk and relationship with Christ. Our goal here at Way of Grace is to make sure that you are growing in Christ, that you are living a life worthy of the calling that has been placed on your life from the gospel. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, as always, you're welcome to reach out to us here at Way of Grace. Our phone number is real easy. You can reach out to us at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. You can also reach us at our website, grace-bible.com. And you can email us from that website as well as find out more about us, who we are, what we believe worship opportunities. In fact, our worship opportunities are really quite simple. Sundays at 1030, we meet here at the church in Hayward. We also have a Friday evening Bible study at 630 and then a Tuesday evening prayer and Bible study at 630 as well. For more information, again, grace-bible.com or call 510-886-9782. Reach out to us by mail if you want to write 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California. The zip code is 94541. As always, it's a pleasure spending time with you here in God's Word, growing in His grace. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.